Today's reading comes from uh, the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 14, uh, verse 13 to 21, pages 35 uh, and 36, and this little booklet. It comes at the back of a uh, beheading of John Baptist, Jesus' forerunner, and it's a somber mood there in a grieving mood. And when Jesus heard what had happened, he withdrew by um, boat privately to a solitary place. Hearing of this, the crowds followed him on foot from the towns. When Jesus landed and saw a large crowd, he had compassion on them and healed those who were ill. As evening approached, the disciples came to him and said, This is a remote place, and it's already getting late. Send the crowd away so that they can go to the village and uh, to the villages and buy themselves some food. But Jesus replied and said, They do not need to go away. You give them something to eat. We have here only uh, five loaves of bread and two fish, they answered. Bring them to me, he replied. And he told the people to sit down on the grass, taking the five loaves and two fish, and looked up to heaven. He gave thanks and broke the loaves. Then he gave them to his disciples, and the disciples gave them to the people. They all ate and were satisfied. And the disciples picked up twelve baskets of broken pieces that were left over. Then the, the numbers of those who ate were about 5,000 men besides women and children. That's the word of the Lord. Thank you, Jim, for reading God's word to us. Welcome again to our Cap Sunday. So good to see so many of your faces out there. And uh, let me pray, and then I will... Get into the word of God. Father, thank you so much for your kindness and your compassion to us. We thank you that you are God who sees all of our needs holistically. You are God who sent your son Jesus into this world to die for our sins in order that we might receive forgiveness and right relationship with you. We pray that, God, you would now, by your spirit, open up our eyes to see the kindness and compassion of Christ. In Jesus' name, amen. So a few years ago, a friend of mine, he, from All Souls, he took me to a Hot Spurs game. How many of you have ever been to a Hot Spurs game? Okay, see one uh, at Wembley Stadium. And this was my first time at a premier football game. And I loved it. I actually enjoyed it a lot. I had a blast. And unfortunately for my friend, I didn't walk away a converted Hotspurs fan. But I really enjoyed the game. I really enjoyed seeing people's passion and their love and the the love that the fans had for their team. But what really stood out to me was not so much the game or the fans singing or when the Saints or the Spurs were marching in to the old Negro spiritual of when the saints go marching in. 
That wasn't what stood out to me. It was the sea of people that you saw on Olympic Way as they were leaving the stadium. Now that was a sight to behold. I've never seen so many people gathered in one place in my life. But after reading a report this week by the Joseph Roundtree Foundation, it's been said that those crowd, that crowd that I saw only represents a fraction of the millions of people in the UK today that is living in poverty. And with the cost of living crisis at the highest it's ever been, it's been estimated that at least 13.4 million people are living in poverty now in the UK. That's enough to fill over 150 Wembley stadiums. Imagine that. Well, in our text today, we see Jesus. He is confronted by a vast crowd of people. Verse 21 tells us that there were 5,000 men besides women and children. And some scholars believe that there could have been at least up to 20,000 people in this crowd, including the women and children. And when you look at this passage, you realize that this crowd of people were not spectators there to be entertained by Jesus. These were people who were broken. They were lost. They were desperate. They were hurting. They were searching for healing and hope. Not dissimilar to a large part of the UK and our population today. And so what this passage is going to show us is how we can respond to this crowd, just like Jesus would respond to this crowd. But let's first start by looking at Jesus. See, if you notice from the reading earlier, Jesus was actually headed away from the crowd. He was trying to get away from the crowd. He was going on a much needed retreat to a solitary place to have him some alone time. How many of you have ever needed that? You just need to be alone. You just need to be in a solitary place. Now, some of you extroverts may not understand what I'm saying, but I sometimes need that. Gee, and I take comfort in knowing that Jesus needed some alone time. But Jesus needed a long time because his, his life was busy. He was in a really busy season of life. See, up until this point, Jesus has been engaged in ongoing ministry. and His diary was packed with hospital visitations and preaching engagements. Jesus was a busy man. And then in the midst of all of this, he gets this unexpected news that his cousin John, one of his closest friends, was just executed. He was beheaded by a Roman official. So this was undoubtedly a painful and grief-stricken time for Jesus. And we can all relate to Jesus in this scenario, right? The desire for solitude, especially during times of sorrow or when the demands of life become so overwhelming that we just need to get away. We just need some time to be alone. However, Jesus' desire for solitude was interrupted by this needy crowd. We read that when the people learned of his whereabouts, they followed him. Now, in that moment, Jesus had two choices. He could have been irritated 
You know, it's kind of like you going on your holiday and you getting a text from your boss or from your coworker saying that they need this done. You're like, man, I'm on holiday. I'm trying to get some rest. I don't want to be dealing and focusing on work. You can get irritated by that. Jesus could have been irritated with them or he could have just turned them away and say, look, I'll, I'll deal with those needs when I get back. You know, just let me be alone right now, you know. But he does neither. Instead, we read that Jesus had compassion on them. He could have turned a blind eye to what he was seeing, but he didn't. You see, it's so easy for us to turn a blind eye to the pervasive suffering and poverty that exists in our world today. And we do that for a number of reasons, right? One is because of a phenomenon called compassion fatigue. That's where the constant exposure of images and stories of suffering and poverty can lead to emotional exhaustion and even desensitization. You just become so desensitized to it that you just don't care anymore. The compassion is gone. It's depleted. You're fatigued. You could easily feel overwhelmed by the scale of the issues that you come to the conclusion that, look, it's futile trying to help or help brings resolution to these problems. And the second reason we often turn a blind eye is because of a sense of detachment, right? We don't know the people caught in these cycles of poverty. They're not part of our tribe. They don't exist within our social location. They're not our friends. They're not our family members. Or sometimes it's just indifference. You just don't care about these people, right? I had a friend years ago tell me he, he despised the poor. And I was like, why? He's like, man, they, they don't do anything but just leech off of other people. They just take advantage. And I'm like, man, bro, you can't make those kind of judgments. You can't draw those kind of conclusions. Because you don't, you never know people's story. You never know why people find themselves in the situation that they find themselves in. So there's indifference. But in our text today, you see that none of those factors concern Jesus. We read that he simply responded with compassion and his compassion was not swayed, get this, by his own pain. And by his own need for solitude, Jesus wasn't thinking about himself in this moment. It was his unwavering love for the lost and for the least of these. He saw the suffering, the sick, the broken, and it moved him to action. So what we see is that he just started killing the people. Everyone who came to him, those who were sick and infirm, we read that he touched them and they got better. And we read that he was doing this late into the evening. And so as it started to get dark, the disciples felt like they needed to intervene because they're probably seeing Jesus, seeing everything that he had just gone through and maybe how tired he is. And they're like, Man, Jesus, it's good that you've been helping these people all day. But look, it's probably time for you to send them away. 
Look, I just arrived and I didn't, I didn't even, you know that saying, you're a poet and you don't know it? You know? Maybe you guys didn't get that. But they come up to him and they're like, Jesus, you got to send these people away. Because if, if you don't, look, they're going to stay out here late in the last train to London, leave shortly, and if they don't make it, they're not going to be able to get something to eat. And Jesus looks at them and he tells them, you give them something to eat. You feed them. And the disciples are probably thinking at this point, man, that Jesus is so tired that he's talking crazy right now. What do you mean, us give them something to eat? This is a crowd of 20,000. Jesus, how do you expect us to feed all of these people? But this wasn't crazy talk. This was an invitation. You see, Jesus' invitation for them was to join him in his compassion for the crowd. He's saying to them, I want you to see what I see. And I want you to feel for these people how I feel. This probably confuses disciples as it would many of us. If I'm looking out over a sea of people who are hungry and in need, and Jesus tells me to feed them, I would think he was being metaphorical and not literal. So the disciples replied, Lord, all we have here, this is all we have. We only have five loaves of bread and two fish. But for Jesus, this was more than enough. So he says to them, bring me what you have. And when he took the bread and the fish, we read that he blessed it and he gave thanks and he gave it to his disciples to distribute. And all 20,000 people ate that day. And not only did they eat, but they ate and they were satisfied. Meaning that they had more than they full. God gave them more than what they even expected. You see, God took what little they had, and because they were willing to trust Christ with it, to meet a great need, we read that Jesus blessed it. And not only did this crowd have enough to eat, but the disciples did as well. Not only had his followers, his disciples learned indirectly about Jesus's heart for all people, a heart that notices and that feels deep compassion. They were now being shown something extraordinary. That when they accepted Jesus's invitation to step out in faith and put compassion into action, the miraculous happened. And you see what I love about organizations like CAP is how their compassion for the poor and for the suffering led them to take action. And they have committed themselves to this monumental task of eliminating poverty here in the UK. And it's not because they have an abundant resources to do that, but because they are trusting God to multiply the resources that they do have. And as they continue to trust God, we're continuing to hear more stories of people who are finding themselves out of debt. We're continuing to hear more stories like Melinda 
and Dave and Jim. Because God is taking what little resources that this organization has and he is multiplying it and he is blessing the crowd. You see, there is an invitation in this story for us to join Jesus in his compassion for the needy. To be his hands and feet to help care for those who are caught in the cycles of poverty and financial debt. But it's important to remember that Jesus just didn't come into this world to meet our physical needs. You see, what this story shows us is that, yes, our physical needs are important to Jesus. But what's of paramount importance to Jesus is our spiritual need. And we see this all throughout the Gospels. You see, Jesus fed the crowd with bread that met their physical needs. But that miracle was ultimately pointing to his true identity as the bread of life. What Jesus wanted the crowd to see in that moment was how he is the bread that has come down from heaven to give life to all men. See, that's the point Matthew is trying to make in this story. is so that we can marvel. He doesn't want us to marvel at the miracle itself. What Matthew wants us to see and to marvel at is the grace of God in this man named Jesus Christ. Jesus is the bread of life who has come down from heaven to feed those who are spiritually lost and without hope and without help in this world. The conclusion we can draw from this passage is that the ultimate manifestation of Christ's compassion was not in the feeding of the 5,000. It was his willingness to lay down his life for us. It was in his body being broken on the cross for our sins. And that's what Jesus tells his disciples a bit later on in the gospel of Matthew as they are having their last meal together. We read in Matthew 26 that Jesus, he took some bread and then he broke it and then he blessed it and he gave it to them. He wanted them to see that the the feeding of the 5,000 was in anticipation of this meal whereby Jesus would give his life for us. He would be beaten, beaten. His body would be broken. He would be tortured. And he would die on a Roman cross to take on the punishment that we deserve in order that we might be made right with God. You see, my friends, the cross is the ultimate demonstration of Christ's compassion. What would it profit if you had all of your needs met? And if I gave you bread and said, go eat, but then you were lost eternally. What would it profit if I gave you a cup of water to drink, but in the end you lost your soul? You see, the most important thing that Jesus wants us to see is his compassion for the lost, for the spiritually lost, those who are in need of a Savior. 
You see, there is an invitation here. There's an invitation for us to join in the compassion of Christ and not turning a blind eye to those in need. But there is also an invitation here to those who are spiritually hungry to come to him and to be satisfied. And today, I just encourage those who do not trust Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior to look to him, to come to him and to have their sins forgiven. There is a debt that you and I cannot pay, but Jesus paid it. He paid that debt when he gave his life for us on the cross so that we can have our sins forgiven. His body was broken and his invitation to you today is to come and feast on him and have eternal life. He stands ready to forgive you. And the offer is there, my friends. Do not turn it away. Let me pray. Father, I thank you for what you have done for us in the person of Jesus Christ, how you gave your life, how your body was broken. And how you feed us spiritually, Lord, in order that we might have eternal life. I pray, Father God, that you would open our eyes to see your compassion manifested in the cross. And I pray that, Father God, as you change our hearts to be more like Jesus, may we emulate him in how we love the least and the lost. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.